This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushduni. Chapter 17, Confession and Atonement. In Scripture, confession refers to both the confession of sin and the confession of faith. The two are essentially related to one another and, together, to atonement. The sacrificial system required the confession of sins over the sacrificial lamb, or sacrifice, and on the Day of Atonement, the high priest confessed on the head of a live goat the iniquities of all the covenant people, from Leviticus 16.21. One can summarise the matter thus, no confession, no atonement. The confession did not atone, it was the precondition to God's act of covering and blotting out the sins of the people. To confess is to uncover and to acknowledge our sins and trespasses. To atone is to cover and blot out all our sins. It is the act of God. Confession is necessary before there can be forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins. The church has turned forgiveness into a humanistic act, a change of feeling on our part, whereas in scripture God alone can forgive sins. Man's forgiveness can only be given in terms of God's law. At this point, the Pharisees were not as far astray as many modern churchmen. Faced with our Lord's declaration to the man sick with palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, the Pharisees felt this to be blasphemy, for who can forgive sins but God only? From Mark 2, 5-7. In any primary sense, God only can forgive sins. The Pharisees were wrong in denying Christ, but correct in insisting that the forgiveness of sins is the attribute of God. In a secondary sense, men can forgive sins when and where God's considerations are met. When we uncover our sins in confession, God covers them by Christ's atonement. Covering means atoning. Our uncovering, our confession, is to the triune God. If a particular sin involves another man or woman, we have a duty to confess our sin to him or her also, and to make restitution wherever possible. To cover our sins means to deny Christ's atonement and to assume that our covering is the best solution to the problem of sin. Not only are such reprobate coverings common, but they are also routinely practised by churchmen, clergy and laity alike. A variety of examples come to mind, incidents repeated again and again in churches. A prominent churchman is guilty of various sins, such as adultery or misappropriation of funds. The matter is hushed up to avoid scandal. Is the alternative publicity for the offences? Neither the covering nor a publicised uncovering are godly. Both have reference to man's framework. There must be a just chastening and punishment in terms of God's law, 
no more and no less. Another example, an important person, priest, pastor or layman is found to be a child molester. The usual reaction is to hush the matter up and cover it with silence. The alternative to this is not to expose the abused child and that family and that child's family to publicity. Confession is necessary, but confession does not erase the offence nor restore a child's virginity. Modern state law does not permit the application of God's law. In the absence of this, a restitution of a dowry or a large settlement is necessary. If the offender leaves to enter another church in another community, there must be some kind of oversight lest another offence occurs. Our task is made difficult because biblical law is not only despised by civil authorities, but an offender can sue for damages if the truth is told about him. As far as possible, the church must deal with matters in terms of God's law. This means also walking circumspectly to avoid lawsuits and civil intervention. There can, however, be no surrender of the necessity of action. The bent or direction taken by the reprobate is to cover sin by denying or ignoring it, and this is evil. There must be a true confession or there is no forgiveness and no atonement. When men cover sin, God then covers them with judgment, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known, from Matthew 10.26. Pastors and people who cover their sins are thereby in effect saying that they can atone for sin, and this is blasphemy. They place their humanistic concerns for propriety over the requirement of confession, confessing our sins to receive God's grace and mercy. More important for them than the state of grace is the state of compliance with social surfaces. It is not surprising that such sinners routinely return to their sin. When men cover their sins rather than confessing to God, we have false priorities. More important than a right relationship with God, then, is a good surface in meeting the world of our time. We have, as a result, a world of facades, of sinners masquerading as the best of people. Hypocrisy replaces virtue. Some old American proverbs held, quote, Confession is good for the soul. A fault confessed is half redressed. A generous confession disarms slander. End quote. At one time in the medieval era, kings and commoners alike made confession. Kings had personal confessors who were also advisers. On occasion, kings had to make public confession in humiliating ways for their public offences. Such confessions made for restoration and respect for their obedience to the spiritual authorities. To eliminate confession from a society is to eliminate also humility and grace. The false covering for sin leads to devastating uncovering, and contemporary political leaders are often destroyed when their sins are uncovered. Where once confession and penance led not only to restoration, but sometimes also to greater strength, now, with the absence of biblical confession and atonement, there is disgrace. According to 1 John 1, 8-10, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. End quote. John tells us, first, that the liar deceives himself, first of all. By denying his sin, he denies the reality about himself. He replaces self-knowledge with illusion. This means a departure from the truth into a world of fiction. Whoever else he may delude, he has deluded himself most of all. His is a delusional existence. Second, God has declared of us that we are sinners, that there is none righteous, no, not one, from Romans 3.10 and Psalm 14.1-3 and 53.1-3. To deny our sin is to make God a liar, obviously, then his word is not in us, only our own deceitful word. Third, to confess our sins means that we receive his forgiveness and his cleansing from all unrighteousness. Our restitution to God is our restoration to reality, because all things are his creation, and we cannot know reality apart from him. As a result, every false covering not only precipitates in God's due time our uncovering and judgment, but it also covers reality from us. Apart from confession and atonement, we are deluded and delusional. This is the end of chapter 17. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.